Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think one of the hardest things when I lost her was realizing all of the external social relationships that we'd built together. I'm a country singer, so it's all about rocking chairs, rifles, and dogs. You know, <laughs> this is their grief experience. It's as individual as a fingerprint. We all have them, but each and every one of us will be different. Welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion and clarity of life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Hustwaite and look, just a heads up, this episode is a little emotional because we're taking a moment for our pets and highlighting the very real grief that can be felt from their passing, which is something we don't often talk about. You know, I was back home in Ballarat for the weekend where I, side note, totally kinked my back out. Like, I can't tell you how sore it is. I'm about to go to a physio appointment. I literally got out of the shower, <laughs> twisted and went to like bend down. I was like, oh no. And it was just the worst. Like mum had to put like Denka rub on my back. I had to cancel my hot mat appointment. Um, I was so excited to go to the Upstate Studios, which have recently opened in Ballarat, but I put my back out so I couldn't go. Um, so hopefully this physio sesh will repair it and get it back to (laughs) what it was. But anyway, that's not what I'm not talking about. That's what happened in Ballarat. But I was spending a lot of time with my family dog, Tilly, who I love so much. Tilly, we got, um, what, at the start of 2016, she was born in December 2015. So she's turning eight in a couple of months and she's a cavoodle. You can tell she's slowing down a bit, which is, yeah, that kind of sad moment. It's kind of like the first time that I've really seen that because, you know, growing up, I was really young when we had our Cavalier uh, Toby And when he died, I was really young. And we also had another dog called Missy who we rescued from the RSPCA. So she was a a sheltered, a rescue dog. And it was actually so horrific how she passed away. So this happened, it was, she was right before Tilly. So Tilly was the dog after Missy. I was in America on like a 16 day top deck tour. And I remember being in San Francisco and I messaged mom and I was like, how's Missy? And she was like, oh, we had to take her to the vet, but we're picking her up tomorrow. She'll be fine. And I was like, okay. And then I flew from San Fran to New York, get to New York, like big travel day. And yeah, literally the next day check in and they had to put Missy down. What happened was a total freak accident where she somehow like inhaled a little stringy bit of tumbleweed through her nose and it went down to like the bottom of her lung and it was really affecting her breathing like she was in so much pain and so they took her to the vet and they said you know we'd have to take her to Melbourne to perform surgery she's really small so like the, it's really high risk for her to do that surgery because they'd have to pull her ribs back to like pretty much get it out and um yeah so it was either risk that or just put her down and kind of put her out of her misery. So obviously not an easy decision, but like the surgery also was just so fucked up. So mum and dad made the decision to put her down. I never got to say goodbye to her because I was in America. I do remember I had really, really fond memory with her before I went overseas and she was, it's funny because I'm recording this from bed right now. <laughs> um, but my last, yeah, f- 
kind of memory with Missy was her sleeping on the bed with me. And she didn't usually like sleep inside, but I let her um, be on the bed with me that night. She was like cuddling up and it was really sweet. But anyway, yeah, I was back home on the weekend, just noticing Tilly slowing down. Also the other week, Daisy, who's my toy cavoodle, co-host of the podcast, currently sleeping against my knee. She had dental surgery, right? So that was a bit of a sudden thing. We went in for her vaccinations and they did a teeth check Um, well, they tried to, but she hates anyone touching her mouth except me, which I know is my fault. Should have trained her better when I was little. Anyway, we knew there was some like plaque up in there and the vet said maybe even gingivitis. So she recommended that Daisy go under anesthetic and they do like the full polish and clean. And I was like, fuck yeah, like let's get her in. How early? Booked her in for the next day. And yeah, they were saying how Daisy's two years old. So she's a good age to go under anesthetic, low risk and because it is a harder thing for dogs as they're older. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of been on my mind a little bit, but I also had a friend reach out recently who lost her dog, Rochelle. You're actually going to hear from Rochelle because she was like, is this something that you want to talk about for your podcast? I just feel like it's, you know, a pretty relatable topic. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then I was like, wait, another mate recently lost his dog. So I reached out to Henry Waggons, who is a double J presenter. He's a musician. So you're going to hear from Rochelle and Henry. They're both sharing some really touching reflections on their fur babies and that grieving experience. But then I wanted to get an expert voice up in this too. So Candace from Griefline enters the chat. And by the way, Griefline have like a pet bereavement online forum. Info's in the show notes of this episode. They also have a phone number, like a hotline you can call. It's not just for, you know, grieving humans. If you're grieving the loss of a pet, any any sort of grief really, um, Griefline are there. So all their details again in the show notes of the episode. But yeah, it's hard when a pet passes, whether it's a cat, a dog, a fish, a hamster, they are part of your family and you are their whole world as well. So some super heartfelt chats with Henry and Candace from Griefline, but let's start with Rochelle. Rochelle, tell me about Keisha. Keisha was the absolute light of my life. And in so many ways, she was just me. Like she was a grumpy old lady (laughs) who was so food motivated and and was so standoffish and just set in her ways and was just the best girl. I adopted her. I adopted her as a senior. So she was eight years old when I got her. Um, and I adopted her from, it was when I still lived in Melbourne at the time and it was just as the pandemic was starting. So I adopted her in April, 2020. I was really lonely as we all were. My parents were like full on about to deliver my family dog to come stay with me for like a couple of weeks, um, which wouldn't have been enough time as we know. (laughs) Um, but I was, you know, I was lonely. I was like, I was looking at all these things, Um, I feel like a lot of people went in and got a dog, um, during the pandemic. And unfortunately a lot of people, it didn't really work for them, but for me, it totally changed my life in the best possible Mm way. Um, so I adopted her. She was eight years old. I remember I saw her profile on like the, um, on like the rescue website. Uh, and, um, she was just, oh God, she, she, she just called to me. It was like, it was just Aww. something like love at, first love at first sight. And so I called them immediately um, and they were just like, oh, and they kind of laughed at me. They were like, mm, Keisha's had a lot of inquiries. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, but not from me. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I put together an application and they literally called me the next day and they're like, do you want to come meet her? So I drove down to Mornington. I met her and like, I didn't know how meet and greets worked, right? I'd never adopted a dog before. I just thought you just met them and then like you'd come and get them another day. I didn't realize I'd be taking her home that day. So I was oh, like, you, you got to take her home that day. I got to take her home that day. Yeah. And I felt, I felt woefully underprepared. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she just made the transition so easy. But yeah, so she, she stuck with me through th- thick and thin all through the pandemic, all through all the different lockdowns I had to do because I copped all the lockdowns because I moved from Melbourne to Sydney. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, and she was just with it through me, like with me the whole way and we just created this like beautiful little life together. She loved other people so much and people loved her. Like I think one of the hardest things when I lost her was realising all of the like external social relationships that we'd built together, like yep. all of my friends, my entire family who were like so shocked or the cafe, like my local cafe that I would walk her to every day. We'd get a coffee. She'd get a treat. Like, mm. and the day that like I walked in and I didn't have her, I mm. just like walked in, like started bawling my eyes out and they were like, holy shit. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> yeah, they knew. Yeah. So what what happened without like obviously say as much as you want, as little as you want, but what what happened with Keisha? It was really sudden. Um, yeah really it was so unexpected like we um yeah so I got back I'd had a work trip and I got back and my roommate who um would always help look after Keisha if honestly like we were we were a family unit like it was three of us it was it was gorgeous um Mm. and also my downstairs neighbors as well we have um our internet name is called the Republic of Keisha we have a WhatsApp group oh my god I love that It still is as well. It's the most beautiful tribute. Yeah, don't change. <laughs> um, and our downstairs neighbours, like it was a real, like we were a real family, right? Yeah. Um, and so everyone was looking after her. I was just kind of getting reports back. I don't think anyone wanted to worry me, but I was just, I was overseas. I was getting reports back being like, she's a little slow on her feet. Like she's not really wanting to walk. Like she's just a bit, just a bit ginger. And I was like, okay. And like, I don't think anyone wanted to worry me. Also don't think anyone was worried either because like she was an old dog. Like sometimes Mm. she was going to have days. She had quite bad arthritis that we, you know, were treating regularly. Um, Some days she was just, she wanted to be a potato. And I was like, girl, I get it. Like, same. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, but when I got back, um, she was really happy to see me, but she wouldn't come down the stairs and greet me. And then did I you immediately know I was, I was like, something's up here. Something's a bit yeah. off. Um, and then I pretty much spent the whole day sleeping cause I got back at like eight in the morning. Um, and I spent the whole day sleeping and it was like that evening she was like really, she like, she didn't want to walk. She didn't want to move. She just wanted to sit. And then it was the next day when things started going really downhill. I went to pat her in the morning and she howled at me. She just oh, wow. screamed. And I was like, oh, shit, that's that's not good. So she'd had similar responses before when her arthritis f- was flaring up. So I'm like, okay, she's going through another arth- arthritis flare. Um, so I took her to the vet. We started on some treatment options. It didn't really help. Like she was on some like pain relief medication and it got worse. Mm. And so I took her back the next day. We were pretty much at the vet every single day th- that week. And I'd just gotten back from like a work trip. Like it was everything was just chaotic. So I took her into the vet the next day. She was in such severe pain. She did a whole hospital stay that day uh, where she was on IV pain medication. 
because we just couldn't get her pain under control. At this stage, the vets were like, we think she might have a slip disc because it's consistent with all of her kind of symptoms, like the severe pain, not wanting to walk. She was still, she still had an appetite. She's on appetite up until like literally like minutes before she passed. Like she responded really well to the pain meds and she was so good that night. She was so good. And then it got even worse the next day. She was in so much pain. Um, it like about like in the afternoon, like I'd say once all of like all the medication that was in her system, that was like through the IV, like it was, she was in such severe pain. So I took her in, we made it through the night. I took her in on the Friday morning. She had to be sedated. Like it was, we just could not get her pain under control. If she had have bounced back, we would have been in the clear. I might've gotten a few more months with her probably even up to a year but she didn't bounce back. She got worse. Um, and I just could not keep sedating her, putting through pain relief. Mm. like And just not so knowing our, what it would be like every day as well. Yeah. You know, it's such a, a crazy, scary wave to ride, just not knowing how, yeah, how it will happen. So you had to make the call to put to her down. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that would have been fucked. I couldn't. I I knew it was going to be bad. Mm. Um it's awful, I, man. I couldn't let I couldn't let her live in pain. And like yeah. this is the thing that like I don't regret this decision at no. all because she was in so much pain. And I knew this because of how she acted with me. Like mm. we were thick as thieves. I had the most amazing vet the whole time. Like the treatment there was just oh, they like again, it just feels like a full family. Like like it was a full family thing. Like the the vet nurses, the vet I brought her in and Annabelle, who who our, our vet was, she was like, it's time. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Can't keep doing this. So we made her comfortable um, and, yeah, um, put her to sleep. And it was so hard. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> – oh, my God, I'm getting to it. I, it is honestly – such an awful thing and you know you're doing it for the right reasons the hardest part with with pets too is the guilt regardless there is always a sense of guilt and you obviously gave her the best life like you saved her right but there's still do you still feel like there's just a lingering sense of guilt I think for me and even when I think about Daisy who's still here like she's on my lap right now but you think about pets and it's like you're their whole world and they are just a part of our lives even though we absolutely love them and they're like our babies. How would you describe that and how have you kind of, yeah, dealt yeah. with it? Yeah, I think, no, like you're exactly right. There's always some sort of guilt that kind of like stays with you. I like, I think I I experienced like two different kind of like angles of this guilt. The first was like I gave her an amazing life but like you call back all the times where like – they've done something <laughs> and you got really mad um, and well, and that sort of thing. Like the days where you're like, I should have took them on an extra walk, the days where you don't feel like you, you just can't be fucked walking yeah. them and you're like, oh, I should have taken them on more walks or whatever, like those little things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you love them to bits and like, um, but yeah, some, like I remember like Keisha once pitched on the couch and I like raised my voice at her and she started shaking. I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, stuff like that, where it's like the, the day to day that you live with, it's like, I could have done better. I could have been a better mom to you. Like, I think there's that part of that, that like section of the guilt, um, which 
I think like at the end of the day, you just have to be like, you just really have to believe that like you gave them a beautiful life. Yeah. And I really do believe that. I think at like at the like at the beginning when I like I had to I had to let her go, I was like, I could have been better. Like Aww. I shouldn't have worked from the office so much. Like I, you know, it's it, it's stuff like that. Um but like the, I think the only way through it is just like just constantly reminding yourself that like the time that you had was so beautiful and so loved and it wasn't just you who loved them either. Like a whole community, a whole family of people like absolutely loved her. Um, and that love, yeah, I think that that is the thing that kind of like that really perseveres and like gets you through it. Also like the, the timeline, we're, we're working on such a different timeline here. Like I had three years with her. I didn't have, you know, like that's, you know, that's such a small amount of time in the scheme of things. But I but think- it doesn't make the grief any less or the relationship any less either you know no in fact it makes it quite powerful actually because you spend it's it's like a really like condensed period of time where you just go through the whole gamut of emotions and and feelings Mm. and 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 spend that time um but yeah I think I was really lucky in a sense where a lot a lot of people again if they if they couldn't quite understand they if they didn't quite understand it firsthand they understood like the pain that comes with it. What do you want people to know about the experience of losing a pet? The experience of losing a pet is something that you can't really prepare for or undersell. I don't think I did her a disservice. I don't think it like, I think it was, I did myself a disservice by not really giving myself, I ended up feeling the full spectrum of my emotions at the end of the day. And so I think the timing and like, and the suddenness and a lot of things um, made me feel it incredibly strongly, like the, the trauma of it and like the pain and the suffering. But I know in like in the months before and in the lead up, I'd kind of minimize it to be like, no, oh, when she goes, like, you know, I'm going to get on a plane and do that sort of thing. And then when it actually happened. So I think my main takeaway from this is like, it's okay to feel all the feelings that you have about this. And it's okay that you don't have to minimize the feelings they're your pet, but they're a huge, significant part of your life. And it's like in a very compressed timeline as well, like they make such an impact. And so I think like you don't, you don't have to minimize your feelings about it, like, or anything like that. It's just, you can, you can live it. You can enjoy Like you can enjoy and love that time with them and you can feel absolutely shattered and heartbroken when they go and you feel that guilt, you feel that sadness but then you start to like come through the other side and you feel the happiness of like, God, we spent like a beautiful couple of years together. Like also like another thing is all dealing with like the memorial sort of like services and stuff like that of like, you know, do you want an urn? Do you want like, do you want like personalized jewelry, the dog's ashes and stuff like that? Like there's, there's so many decisions that you have to make. <laughs> um, I really, I want to head overseas soon, um, but I want to take a little bit of her with me. So I'm actually thinking about um, getting like a really nice custom jewelry piece um, designed um, and incorporating some of her ashes in some way um, in that. And she can still travel with exactly. you. She can still be doing life with yeah. you. Yeah. And then, I, and then maybe sprinkling the rest. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, sh- something she, she loved doing was like digging holes in my parents' backyard. So <laughs> maybe put a bit there. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's, there's, there's plenty to go around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, big thanks to Rochelle for being so open about her grieving experience. We're going to hear an expert take soon, courtesy of Candice from Griefline. But first, another perspective, and this is from Henry Waggins, who recently lost his dog, Peeps. Oh, I want to chat to Henry, so oh, I appreciate you being keen. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pumped and, you know, I love uh, – talking about this you know i'm i'm a country singer so it's all about rocking chairs rifles and dogs you know <laughs> that's what i do. so at the loss of of my dog who ultimately you know i've known for longer than my wife and my child oh you my know. god like, you I, and peeps go way back yeah peeps was 16 i only met you know melvis my partner 13 years ago so he was like the OG, day one. Gangster. So, yeah, I've known him. And he was actually bought as a relationship saver for my previous relationship. Really? And uh, I think it was actually the final straw. Peeps kind of gravitated a little more to me and my partner at the time uh, wasn't into the whole puppy rearing and, and, and Peeps and I became closer than my ex and I. So... Um, I nicked off with peeps. Oh my god! With her permission, yes. might I say? I didn't actually literally uh, steal him. <laughs> Take but off. but you was, got full custody. I got full custody, and she said, "Look, it'd be ridiculous if I took peeps, even though it was actually my gift to my ex." But um, really? I got peeps. Yeah. So we were really, really close, uh, and uh, peeps meant everything. Uh, and peeps, my dog wasn't. Uh, he wasn't particularly dog-like in that sort of flapping your tongue around unconditional love thing. He was more like a cat. And to be honest with you, in his his 16 years, I'm not even sure he liked me that much. <laughs> I think he was negging me a little bit the whole time. You know, he was like, he kept me wanting more the whole time and I was <laughs> a sucker for it. When he came and, and, and sat on my lap, it felt like a true achievement, you know. Oh, oh my God, peeps is on my Check this to out. really work for it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'd seen songs with his name, just stupid songs with replacing the chorus with peeps and like he was part of my vernacular and part of my life and uh, every day and, 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 and when that was gone, you know, it's just uh, the, the most incredible void. And I've had family members pass away and I've had other kinds of grief, but there was something about peeps literally being at my feet every single day that's far more tangible than losing a grandparent or losing an auntie who, you know, you know it, I mean, God, what I'm not saying is I'm not, this is not a competition, you know, yeah. but they're equally valid and hit harder in different ways. Uh, and, you know, when someone's grieving a dog, just because it's a dog, you don't let them off lightly. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, because I feel as we get older and not that it is a competition, but I, I think people, and especially, you, you know, you have a family and you're a father and um, a lot of people are just like, it's just a pet. Like we, we don't actually talk about the grieving of of a pet and were you surprised that it that it hit you so differently or hit you so significantly um i always talked about peeps has kind of inhabited the old man character for years like he's he was kind of like the grumpy old man from the muppets ever <laughs> since he was three or four years old 
so I kind of joked about peeps dying all the time as my way of buffering myself for it in a way, like, uh, you know, because uh, he looked so grumpy all the time. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't much look like he, he, he was enjoying, was enjoying life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's like, get um, me out. <laughs> it's like, but uh, he, I knew I was going to be a mess when he uh, went and, you know, we had to put him down. He wasn't able to walk properly and we were carrying him around for a while and, and he just actually legitimately was in, in too much pain and, mm-hmm. and it was just such a, a, a sad day when he just kind of couldn't get himself around anymore and we knew now was the time um, and I, I, it was horrible. It was just horrible and, uh, yeah, it struck me. I was, I was really off for days um you know doing everything you'd imagine you'd do for the death of a human a close family member which he was and um what i did and i found to be part of my process was i I wrote him a song in in this room i i uh i wanted to somehow channel the energy into something positive Mm. um, and try and direct my energy so I thought oh, I'm going to just make it I couldn't sing because I'd keep crying you Aww. know I'm, I'm, a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit emotional even talking about it yeah but, um there's a nice instrumental piece yeah um in memory of Pete's called you know theme for the memory of my hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today dog peeps or, or something and, and and all I put it on band camp and all proceeds well all proceeds still to this day go to the the guy Australian guide dog foundation but it was just most I didn't expect anyone to buy it or even listen to it or perhaps if they would it might uh, help them uh, process the loss of a pet or someone because it's very tranquil and hypnotic and it helped me um, and it's still there if anyone needs it because, you know, I only lost him a, a, a few months ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just nice. There were so many um, comforting words when I posted it online, a couple of bu- bunches for, for, of flowers. But, you know, to be honest, um, people did treat it and me. I don't know if it's the country singer thing and, and the fact that uh, peeps – I talk about my dog, my dogs. I've got another dog who's. I've got another old dog who's on the, on the, verge of death. Actually, oh, no. too. there's probably a sequel to this conversation. <laughs> I've got a pug as well who's 13, um, and he's going to be a, an immense loss too. But yeah, I, uh, I feel, it was a, I was treated. With I, I was. People gave it the appropriate weight. Yeah. I don't feel I didn't. I wasn't told to go away and 
uh, you know. Or just get another dog. Get another dog. Yeah. If anything, it was is it was me that was joking about that. You know, <laughs> I'd say I'm going to get another uh, poodle cross and call it Peeps and pretend the whole bloody thing never happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a um, we'd planned. My wife and I knew for a, a few days that we were going to do this, and we booked the appointment with the vet to put Peeps down. But we were. We didn't want to tell our daughter. Our daughter knew that we someday soon we were going to put peeps down, but uh, she didn't know when. Mm. And then it was just heartbreaking to, I can't even say it, yeah. you know, just to uh, wake up one morning and go, today's the day, Casper. You're going to say goodbye. Oh, <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. It's, you know. uh, yeah. In a family setting when you have to, you know, pass that on to Casper and whether like how much of it she understands and when she'll grow up to maybe understand more, like that's just an, yeah. that's an added layer of grief and trauma to experience oh. too. Like when there's young children involved and, you know. There was, but it was a, an incredible learning experience for all of us, Yeah, you know, uh, she won't forget it, but I think we did okay. Yeah. How is how is Casper going now too? She's she's good. Like that day was really hard, but she's nine now and very much it's very much sort of uh, switched on. Yeah, she's smart uh, girl. So, you know, yeah, I think she misses peeps. You know, it's terrifying how good humans are at bouncing on. You know. Even after four or five days, I'd almost feel guilty about how normal it was. Yeah. Um, my other dog was quite lost. Oh, you really? Know, he was sort of wandering around because sort of Peeps was the alpha and, and you know, our other dog was a little lost. But, uh, you know, the, the it, you know, life just, just moves on and more or less unless, um, you know, Someone like you trawls up the trauma again for me. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't. I don't think. No, I, I. I. You know, appreciate you listening, um, but I, um, I. I. I'm surrounded by good memories now. You know, and I can joke about peeps again and and sing songs about him again. Mm. I don't know. I found myself trawling back through Peeps's history and feeling guilty about certain things. You know, I wish I walked in more or I wish I did this and that, you know. Uh, but don't, you know. They had a great life with you and that's okay, you know. But it's hard. You've got to just process it and get through it yourself. You know, it's still, as you can tell, still very fresh Yeah. for me. But, you know, it's nice to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, don't, I guess, go easy on yourself and, and take all the time you need because it is like losing a family member.
Candice, thank you for joining me. Let's start. How, how would you describe the grief that we experience from losing a pet? Oh, no worries. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I would definitely say that the grief that we experience from losing a pet is absolutely as intense and overwhelming as losing anyone or anything else that we've formed a really strong attachment to. Um, I know people describe the love that they receive from their pet as unconditional. Our pets really do bring a certain amount of joy and companionship to our lives. Um, it's even more than that, though. I think they can bring a lot of structure and routine, um, as well as providing those social interactions that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily get if they didn't have a pet. You know, I think of many conversations randomly that I've had with strangers out and about when walking my dogs that I wouldn't have had if I didn't have them. Um, but pets also, or animals in general, I think it's really important to recognise they're not only pets but we've also got you know service animals like medical or emotional assistance animals guide dogs that people really rely on in order to live that more independent and content life um, animals can also be colleagues at times such as those that are serving in the police or armed forces so the connection and attachments that we form with the animals that we have runs very deep when we lose that we're going to feel a whole range of emotions that we would feel if we were to lose a human loved one. Yeah, absolutely. Bang on there. And I think one thing that is really hard to navigate with the loss of a pet is sometimes maybe a lack of understanding or sympathy or empathy from uh, people externally who may not have ever had a pet before. And because, you know, we, we tend to often, I almost feel like it's a, maybe a sense of imposter syndrome, like, oh, it was just a dog or it was just a cat. We, you know, it wasn't a human or whatever. Do you like, do you see that as a common thing? And, and, and why do you think people kind of would dismiss the grief of losing a pet? Because I, I imagine that would really affect someone's experience in, in mourning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think slowly <clears throat> we are getting better at recognising as a society in general that losing a pet can be traumatic and it can be painful. However, sometimes even with human death, you're going to get people that don't understand your loss. They may be, or you may be feeling a bit dismissed as a result. And I do, I think I feel a bit sad for those people just going by their lack of understanding. It sounds like they haven't got to experience absolute joy and fullness that maybe you've felt with your beloved pet. Um, in terms of why people do that, well, I think it's quite common for humans to compare. You know, the person that is doing the dismissing, well, they might be comparing that grief that they felt when they lost their loved grandma or their parent or partner and be thinking, well, you know, this is just a pet. I've actually lost a human. But as a result, it really affects the pet owner's mourning, you know, by being dismissive of the grief, which, to be honest, is really completely um, real and valid for them that can really minimise and invalidate that grief experience and the emotions that we feel. It's like being told, well, no, you can't feel that. Your relationship wasn't as important as that of a human and another human. Um, and in the grief space, we actually have a term for that. It's called disenfranchised grief. Um, that's right. the grief that we feel like we have to hide away when society says it's actually not okay for us to grieve that death. Um, is that similar to a miscarriage? I feel that would probably be 
something that would be uh, experienced Absolutely, yep. And not just with death, you know, you can feel it when giving a child up for adoption or um, going back to mm. death, maybe the loss of same-sex partners in some cultures as well. They really feel that um, inability maybe to grieve as openly as maybe society expects them to. So that can be really hurtful to be on the receiving end of that dismissive behaviour when we are grieving losses such as that of our pets. Um, further to that, it can you know, the feelings of grief can be intensified um, because it can feel then isolating to not be able to show how your grief is affecting you or that you don't feel supported by those around you and that they don't understand your grief. Um, as a grief counsellor, though, I would really try and normalise that experience as much as I can and empower people with the knowledge that this is their grief experience. It's as individual as a fingerprint. We all have them, but each and every one of us will be different even if it's the same person or pet that's lost, the way that we perceive that loss is different and the grief is something that we just cannot compare. And, I mean, touching more on your line of work too, what are what are the kind of calls like that people can – because people can contact Griefline and you guys are there to, you know, talk people through and comfort people through an experience like losing a pet. What – do people call up and do they – I just imagine people would call up and some would be, you know – totally ready to go all in and love that but I can imagine some people would be a bit hesitant or feel a bit silly kind of calling through about their pet do you get that yeah that there is that real trepidation at times um just to give you a, a bit more about what we do we do offer that telephone helpline service between the hours of 8 a.m and 8 p.m monday to friday um that do support people experience any type of grief including pet grief and it's probably more common than people think definitely in my experience as someone receiving those calls um, people calling about their pet grief is common um, we're really ready to listen and really want to listen and share that experience with you um, but we do find as you were saying that people are a little bit you know trepidatious or they feel a little bit wary about opening up to to this voice on the end of the phone you know potentially they've experienced that judgment in their their actual lives so maybe mm. think that that's more generalized but I can assure you that yeah your experience won't be the same if you were to call our, our telephone counsellors. Yeah well I'll pop the details in the show notes of this episode too because it's just such an amazing resource to have and one that I think a lot of people obviously are across it but there's still so many out there that don't even know something like this exists for grief lines so I'll share that information. Um, Candice how about losing a pet and how that may affect you throughout different stages of your life? I'm really fascinated by that thought of how it can affect you as a child or as an adult? This is such an amazing question and I'm really glad that you recognise that there, there is differences depending on what stage of life or development that we're at. Um, I'll start youngest and work my way up to oldest. I think as a child, losing a pet is quite often their first experience of death and mortality. Um, therefore, it can be quite a lot for children and their parents to hold. Um, don't forget that a child's emotion can be as complicated or as big as yours as an adult. Um, as well as feeling sad, they might be feeling confused as to what's happened or maybe even feeling some anger towards you if their pet had to be euthanized. Um, again, just like adults or anybody else, they can feel a sense of guilt 
um, somehow they're maybe responsible for that death. And they might even focus on times that they weren't particularly kind to their pet. Um, of course, they might also feel lonely without their companion, particularly if they are a child that struggles with social interactions with other humans. Um, I do find maybe the best thing that we can do as a parent in that situation or as a caregiver um, is to use gentle honesty you know, using euphemisms like Lassie's gone to live on a farm or they've run away, it can potentially increase that child's distress um, and really compound that confusion about losing their pet. As we move into adulthood, um, the loss of a pet can be particularly hard if their pet was the first soul that they've poured any sort of caregiving energy into. Um, a lot of people would find themselves moving out of home, getting an animal as a companion, and maybe after that finding partner and maybe eventually having kids. When they lose that pet, it's really hard as that's the first chapter of their adult life that's coming to an end. Um, maybe their first childlike energy, so to speak, that they're losing. A lot of people like myself do have fur babies and the loss is devastating. I know um, something I've personally experienced last year, moving out of home, I was 19, I'm now 37, by the way. Um, I did go to RSPCA one day, I brought home Queen Chloe, my golden Labrador, who was a baby. She was nine months at the time, um, a year later, her humble servant Lincoln, the blue healer, found his way into our family. And I had nearly 17 years with them until they both passed last year. And they went through mm. so much with me um, as I grew as an adult, you know, including those relationship breakups, job changes, other grief that I've experienced. I don't have human children. I gave my heart and soul and really lived life to the fullest with them. They went on holidays with us. They had their own sofa. They were incredibly well looked after. And I think... Um, just even one of my favourite memories, moving to, to Melbourne from Brisbane seven years ago, taking them on the biggest road trip of their life, driving down, um, as Her Majesty mm. Queen Chloe would expect that royal chauffeur treatment. She would not be flying cargo, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but, yeah, as painful as their deaths were, I do not regret a single moment. Documented every day of their life, pictures, videos, so important mm. now for my healing. They knew how much I loved them, and in return, my heart has now grown twice as large to accommodate the love they gave so to sweet. me. Yeah, so I've definitely felt it as an adult as well um, in, in different sort of ways, I guess. Um, but I think now, now moving forward into um, the next stage of development, which would be as an older adult, I think we can rely on the companionship that we get from our pets even more. I know social isolation in the elderly is quite endemic in Australia and the relationship formed with the companion animal can be so important and fulfilling. Um, in the elderly, their devotion to their pet can create mm. that sense of purpose as well, which can be lacking at times, especially for those that find themselves reconfiguring their identity after retirement or big life changes, such as you know moving into retirement facilities or even the loss of their partner and their friends. It's so like it's amazing to sit back and just think about yeah the ways in which pets can can serve you and support you throughout life and the capacity that you can give as you move on through different stages too. And it's totally important to recognise that. And what about like pets um you know if you've got you know a pet passes away but you've got another one they grieve too right <laughs> how do they grieve <laughs> absolutely great question um well i think just like humans it's going to depend on their level of attachment that they have um you know thinking 
even into animals that I've seen. You know, you might have animals that are really close best mates and then you might have like a, another one that sort of tolerates their um their being around them sort of thing but it is definitely recognized that pets can and do mourn the loss of a follow pet a fellow pet sorry um most animals that we have or most pets that we have are pack animals they prefer mm. to be in the company of others in particular um, with dogs and horses they're extremely sensitive to the emotional states of their human guardians and they might become sad or despondent because they're sensing the emotions that we have as their owners and like us they're going to need time as well to adjust to their loss um, they may seem listless or clingy they may play less they may have a decreased appetite and energy but it's really important to spend some time with them giving them lots of affection and trying to keep to some sort of routine as it helps you and them adjust to your loss what what are some tips you can share candace on on coping with the loss of a pet I think, gosh, there's so many, but firstly, um, please acknowledge that the love for your lost pet is true. It's valid. It's significant. Mm. Your pet mattered to you. Therefore, the grief that you're feeling is real. Secondly, I'd remind yourself that you are allowed to grieve in your own way. When we lose someone or something that we love in life and that we're attached to, it's okay to ask for that time and that space when you're grieving their death. I think, thirdly, knowing that you're not alone, you'll most likely be surprised mm. that if you start talking about your loss, a lot of people will actually pipe up, want to share their stories about maybe the dog they had as a child growing up, or their roommate's cat or rabbit, or the pets that they have at the moment. Maybe they too are looking for people to share the experience with. Um, reaching out to your social network, whether that is someone in your friend or family circle, um, it might be through your vet or even looking online via social media. Um, a lot of communities do have pet bereavement support groups there as well. So check out your local council or your local notice boards for that support. And of course, organisations such as Griefline, we're really great for support. Um, as counsellors, we are trained in how to hold your emotions with you, really validate that experience. Um, and we also offer peer support too as part of our online forums and support groups. Oh, nice. So that's a, is that a way for you to connect Absolutely. with others? Yeah, in that shared experience. Cool. Yeah. I think um, in addition to that, that support and that validation, um, what can help when you're ready, of course, is creating some mementos. So a growing number of pet crematoriums are offering pet lovers the opportunity to say goodbye to their pets um, and to keep special mementos such as paw prints or, or locks of hair. Um, that can really help nurture what we call continuing bonds with our pets as time goes on, which is we, we acknowledge that that's a really important part of grieving. Um, there are companies, of course, that create pet mementos using ashes or hair or creating a pet portrait or even tattooists if you wanted a memorial tattoo of their paw print or a portrait or a name. And I think lastly, looking for ways that we can express our grief. Um, maybe the first one that comes to my mind is physically expressing it, which might look like crying. Um, but people also find being creative can help too, such as writing about their pet or creating photo books drawing, painting, singing, dancing, um, even maybe volunteering at some pet shelters to feel that closeness um, to that animal energy. And of course, remembering to look after yourself, try and get enough sleep, 
eating for sustained fuel, getting some fresh air, moving your body as much as you can. That's it for this week's episode of Figuring Out 30. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Bridget Huswait. If you want more info from Griefline, just check out the show notes of this episode. And you can also listen to that beautiful instrumental piece that Henry Wagons crafted. You can buy it on his band camp and the proceeds go to Guide Dogs Australia. If you have time to share a rating or review of the podcast, if you like what you're hearing, your support means the world. This is an entirely independent project created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be. And yeah, it's a one woman show. So your support helps this podcast reach more people if you do have time to review, rate or share. Thanks so much again. I'll catch you next week, hopefully with a better back. (laughs) Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.